Welcome to the first episode of Cast It Out Loud. I'm your host, Tommy Walter, podcaster extraordinaire, showman of all podcasts. If you don't know, I also co-host a podcast called Heels and Quads Wrestling Podcast. I have a solo, real-life podcast, Shooting the Dad Stuff. But if you don't know about that, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I am a gigantic KISS fan. Huge KISS fan. And I had this idea actually before I started the wrestling podcast. Like when podcasts were first a thing. I remember the first podcast I heard was uh, More Stories, Jay Moore's podcast. And I thought, you know what would be a great podcast? A KISS podcast. Not necessarily like like talking about everything that's going on with the band. As you probably know, if you're, if you're listening to this, you're most likely a KISS fan. As you know, they've announced the end of the road tour. And I gotta admit, I am actually, I think this is it. And I just thought that I wanted to go back and not just talk about being a fan of the band, but I also want to talk about, you know, experiences uh, and just my favorite things about Kiss. Eventually, I'll review every album in full, song by song, uh, give any details that are accessible to each song, each album. But I wanted to open it up with the first time I saw Kiss. Now, I'm 31 years old. And the first... Well, let me go further back than that. I remember being very, very young. Like, pre-four years old was the first time I remember Kiss. My dad is a huge Kiss fan. Still is. Um, But I remember... The VHS cover (laughs) of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. That was my first real memory of the band was that movie, which is surprising. And a lot of people just crap all over that movie, as does the band. Um, But I was terrified of that cover. Like... It I it was I mean obviously it was Gene Simmons and just the 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 scowl and the the makeup and everything, but I remember like seeing that cover and just being terrified. And who would have thought, when I I was, on the verge of turning thirteen, so I was going into my teenage years, but I was, and there's so many other stories that I can I could go through. Um, which I'll do actually right now instead of, you know, talking about what I, the the first concert. So my first experience with Kiss as a fan was I was actually a huge Garth Brooks fan when I was a kid. Like my dad showed me, uh, Garth's first TV concert. And, uh, so I was a huge Garth Brooks fan, which is weird considering like, I mean, now it's all out in the open, but then it was like, you never saw that bridge coming. But I remember when Kiss My Ass came out and my mom had a friend who had the CD and he gave it to me because he knew I was a Garth Brooks fan. 
and he played, you know, Garth's version of Hard Luck Woman. I was like, oh my gosh, I love this song. And he told me it's actually a Kiss song. So that's how I ended up falling in love with Kiss. The next day, I remember going to the store and buying Kiss Alive 3. Or, well, my mom bought it for me, or however that worked out. But, because I was so young. But, there in turn, I became a Garth Brooks slash Kiss fan. And at the time, you know, it was a it was a rocky time for Kiss. And I kind of, you know, I, I, I loved the songs. But, you know, without the... Without access to internet and being young. So when they reunited... Well, I remember watching Unplugged. I do remember watching that. But as far as the the reunion tour, I didn't realize, you know, you could go... Like, I knew about concerts, but I didn't know you could order tickets or how that process worked. And I, I you know, I, was, I didn't think at that time in my life how to get access to those tickets to go see Kiss Live when the reunion tour happened. So I remember kind of watching it unfold through MTV and all that stuff. And then Psycho Circus came out, you know, got the album. Uh, the tour happened. I remember watching them on, like, Mad TV and stuff like that. And, the, and the, like, the concert from Dodger Stadium or whatever when they played, like, a few songs. But then when it was announced that Kiss was going on a farewell tour, I was of that age to where I could say, hey, yo... I can go online and order these tickets, which actually, the funny thing was, is I found out through Ticketmaster.com that I could call and order the tickets. So my thinking was I was going to go online and buy the tickets, but I was going to, I found the number, I was going to call them instead and see if I could get better seats. I wanted the best seats I could get. I wanted to be as close to the band, as close to the stage, as close to the speakers, as close to the explosions as I could possibly get. So I called Ticketmaster. Uh, we we were in where we were in Arkansas already, and so the show I was going to wasn't Little Rock for some reason, but it was Memphis. So Memphis farewell tour. Call Ticketmaster. Say hey. You know, I need, I'm 12 years old ordering tickets with my mom's credit card, which I mean, it was okay. That was, that was my birthday present. That was my 13th birthday present. Cause it was three weeks. The show was three weeks before my 13th birthday. So call Ticketmaster, say, Hey, I need two tickets to kiss. Cause my mom's going to go with me, of course. And she was a kiss fan back before. Cause actually when her and my father, when my dad met her in Texas and moved her to New Jersey with him. My grandpa, my Papa Tom, got them tickets to see Kiss on the Asylum tour. And so she was already a Kiss fan, but didn't know it because she knew Beth, but she didn't know who it was. Well, she fell in love with Paul Stanley, as we all did. Um, so she was going to go with me, or she went with me. And so I call... Need two tickets to Kiss in Memphis, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I want the best seats that you can get me. And the lady was like, well, you know, we don't have that many tickets left for that show. So I'm just going to give you the best available. Little did I know, and it was like 25 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever it was at the time. 
So I'm thinking, oh, cool, we're going to get great seats because I'd always saw posters of Kiss from the 70s. And, you know, it says tickets, $10. So me being a young kid, I don't think about, you know, time and ticket prices going up and all this. I'm like, oh, man, these must be great seats if I'm getting them for 25, 30 bucks. Little did I know, we were in the last row of the pyramid uh, in Memphis for the Kiss Farewell Tour. But leading up to that, the story goes, I get checked out of school. Um, my mom picks me up from school. We are on our way to Memphis and the car breaks down. So here I am like kicking rocks and I'm pissed. Um, but there's a rental car place right down the road. So we get, get the car to the rental car place and the guy, you know, my mom tells him, you know, I'm taking my son to go see Kiss for his birthday. You know, if we miss the show, he's going to be miserable. And I was already upset and pissed off. I thought I was going to miss my last chance to see my favorite band. So anyways, thank God the guy was a Kiss fan because he was like, okay, I'm going to put you in this car and, you know, give you a good price and blah, blah, blah. Come back tomorrow. We'll get you all set up. So we get in the rental car, uh, make our way to Memphis. We, I think we're late. I'm like, oh my God, the ticket says seven o'clock. We're going to miss, you know, we're going to miss the show. But I didn't think about then again, 12 years old. I didn't think, you know, Kiss isn't going on stage at seven o'clock. They have two openers. They had Skid Row minus Sebastian Mock and Ted Nugent. So we're listening to the radio. We're crossing the bridge over into Memphis and Memphis Radio, whatever classic rock station that Memphis had at the time, I don't even know if it's still around. The guy comes on the radio, he says, hey, if you're running late for the Kiss show, Skid Row just went on stage. And the pyramid is like a hop, skip, and a jump from the bridge. So we're both like, yeah, like I'm like high-fiving and stuff with my mom. And so we get there. We're walking in, Skid Row's finishing up, which I like, I, I love Skid Row now, but I liked them then, but I, you know, I knew Sebastian Bach wasn't in the band, so I was like, eh, you know, I'm good. So we go to the merch stand, I get my shirt, my hat, I get a poster, everything, go to our seats, and it, you know, nosebleeds, like, and this was really, like, other than wrestling, this was like the first, this was the first concert I'd ever been to, and like, first real event that wasn't wrestling where I had always had like decent seats, but I mean, you're talking the, the back. And so then, you know, Ted Nugent's awesome. And then the, the big kiss curtain, you know, everybody knows it now being a kiss fan. Everybody knows that black kiss logo curtain. We're waiting, waiting, waiting. And, you know, you finally get that hum, the, the, and then you get, all right, Memphis, you wanted the best, you got the best, hot in the world, kiss, curtain drops, Detroit City's going, and, like, I lost my mind, I'm, like, holding on to the railing, because I'm shaking so bad, and my mom's like, are you okay, are you okay, I'm like, I'm good, I'm just so excited, I can't believe this, show's, you know, great for, you know, what it was at the time, but, and then when it ended, like, once rock and roll started, I just, you know, got kind of upset. My mom's like, what's wrong? I was like, I know it's over. And and that was it. You know, we went back to our hotel, and I just couldn't believe it the next day. You know, I obviously I got to miss school because, you know, Memphis was a 
four plus hour trip. So I didn't have to go to school the next day. But the next day I wore my kiss shirt and I was so pumped and like telling everybody about it. And, you know, and my love for kiss was solidified then after seeing them live for the first time. Now, I see them for the first time and through the whole tour I'm following it. Like, when can I go? When can I go again? And at the time, I, you know, my dad still lived in New Jersey, which he still does. But they were playing there that summer. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to my dad's. I'm going to get to go see him again. And that didn't happen. So then they have the pay-per-view, The Last Kiss or whatever in 2000. Order that on pay-per-view. You know, of course, recorded on VHS because that's what we did. And so I had that all the time. Like, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I watched it. And so I think it's over. Like, this is it. Like, I'm going to still love this band and love them, like, wholeheartedly. And anything that, you know, if they put out a Greatest Hits or a a DVD that was, you know, finally getting big. Like, DVD started in mid mid to late 90s, but it got big around 2000. That's what I remember. Like, everybody finally had kind of getting a DVD player. Like, if they put out anything, like a video collection or whatever, I'm going to buy it. And I did, like, everything Kiss I bought. Spencer's was, like, Kiss Hub from, like, 96 to, like, 2000-whatever. And I mean, they still have some Kiss stuff there, but, I mean, they used to have, like, a Kiss section. It was insane. Like, I remember me and my stepbrother got both got the Gene Simmons, like, special edition McFarlane figures. They supposedly only made, like... I don't know, like 15,000 or something like that. I don't know. I didn't look at the numbers, but I'll get more like detail like oriented throughout the sh- throughout the show. But I I just remember like I, I like I wanted everything. Like if I went to a store that had a Kiss shirt, I bought it. Went to the store that had a Kiss figure, I bought it. Kiss trading cards, bought it. And then, you know, Kissology started later on. I saw Kiss I saw Kiss in 2000. I saw him again in 04 and Rock the Nation. Uh, tour, got the instant live, bought the DVD, blah, 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 Love a Kiss was still, I mean, I was excited, because I, you know, it's my band, but, like, it, it, it's, it wasn't the same as, because I knew it wasn't the originals, like, Gene and Paul are there, but I knew it wasn't Peter and Ace, and so it was a little different. Great show. I mean, I'm never going to crap on them for doing what they're doing. They're both KISS fans. They're getting paid to do a job, and they're doing it. And they're doing it well. Do I think they should have their own makeup? Yes, of course. But, or just take it off. Like, just don't play. Because they when they do the shows, like they did the one at the the Rockin' Pond or whatever it is. And, and they played without makeup, and it was great. Like, I... Like, Kiss is the makeup, like, the show, but it's about the music at at the end of the day. Like, and if you can go out there and play, don't tarnish the original band by having other people do it. That's all I'm going to say about it. And Eric Singer is probably... I, I love Peter, Eric Carr, and Eric Singer all. Like, but Eric Singer's got an amazing voice. As did Eric Carr, as does Peters. Peters is different, and and I love Peter Chris, and I love his singing voice. Um, so I saw him in 04. I didn't see Kiss again until last year. I took my kids. So think about it. I'm 12 years old. 
And I, and I know a lot of KISS fans have these same kind of stories. But go for me at 12 years old seeing KISS for the first time. I get to see the original KISS. Then I see him in 04. I'm, you know, I went from being a preteen, quote unquote, almost teenager, to a 16-year-old, you know, horny high schooler, to an adult married with three kids, and that was it. Like, I was like, I've, I've, I've passed the torch, and my ki- all three of my boys are hardcore KISS fans. They love that band. And taking my kids was the only time, out of the three times that I saw Kiss, that was the only time I ever wore makeup to the show. And I I didn't even really want to, but my youngest son decided he, because I, you know, I usually have a beard, but he said, Daddy, you have to put on the Kiss makeup with us. And I said, Tommy, yes, I named my son after me. Also my father, also my grandfather, also my great-grandfather. But I said, Tommy, I I don't want to have to just shave my beard because I, you know, I got so used to having one that it looks weird when you shave it off. But he's like, Daddy, you know, the show, the concert's tomorrow. Please shave your beard and wear Kiss makeup with us. So I took him in the bathroom with me and I was like, okay, watch. I'm going to shave it off. My wife was already asleep, so she had no idea this was coming. She woke up the next day and she was horrified. But, um... So, yeah, did the makeup thing, and man, just watching my favorite band, and not only that, not only did I get to take my kids to their first concert, and it was the first concert that I saw of the same band, almost, (laughs) but not only that, but I got to take my little sister, who had loved Kiss, like, growing up, I remember singing Beth to her at bedtime, she loved that song. And she had never seen Kiss, so she got to go. And not only that, but the icing on the cake, the the cherry on top, was my mom went with us. So my mom, who took me to my first Kiss concert, went with me to take my kids to their first Kiss concert. So, you, you know, you always hear it like, and they did it in live shows forever. They would talk about how the generations, you know, how many generations, you know, there are in, in the Kiss army. And, you know, I, I finally got to live it. And it was like, one, like, your kids being born and getting married and all that, that's like the greatest days you're ever going to have in life. But, like, there was like a overjoy of pride, like, showing that to my kids. Like, this is Kiss. This is what, this is why we listen to this band as much as we do. And, and and that just, I really, I really enjoyed that. So after a quick 20 minute opener of kind of like the background, and that's the, that's the cliff notes. I get, I'll get more into like stories of Kiss fandom as we go, but I wanted my first show about the, the hottest band in the world, Kiss. I wanted my first show to be my top 10 Kiss albums. Not only that, not only my top 10 favorite Kiss albums, but my favorite song from those 10 Kiss albums. And I couldn't have done a top 10, and this isn't necessarily my top 10 Kiss songs, I'll do that, that might be my next one. And then like, I'm going to start doing like, you know, 
album reviews and stuff like that and tour reviews and I might even dip into some bootlegs. We'll see. But um and I don't I don't see this podcast really going any longer than I you know, I don't know. Like kisses forever, who knows? And like I said on my first episode of Shooting the Dad stuff, I don't think this is going to be as popular as my wrestling podcast. We'll see. You know, the the KISS podcast market is not as oversaturated as the wrestling podcast market. So you never know. Maybe you guys feel the same way. Maybe you feel differently. Maybe you hate my opinions. Maybe you love my opinions. Maybe you just like the sound of my voice. <laughs> or maybe you just want you just want an opinion on a band that you love as well. So as I get further into it, like I said, we'll kind of gauge the distance of the show as it goes. And if I get burnt out, then I'll, then I'll stop doing it. it I, you know, my wrestling podcast, we sell t-shirts and stuff. I'm not, I'm not going to do that with this one. Like, not going to do that. I mean, and then, you know, we'll see. <laughs> I shouldn't say I'm not going to, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I'm going to take a pause and then I'm going to come back with uh, my top 10 favorite Kiss albums. All right, so coming in at number 10 on my favorite Kiss album list, my definitive top 10 favorite Kiss albums, and I'm going to do... The album, my favorite song from the album, and an honorable honorable mention, because I can't just pick one song from each album. So, therefore, here we go. Number 10, from 1976, Destroyer. And I know 10 seems a little low on a list like this for favorite Kiss albums. I just think that the sound on this, Bob Ezrin was amazing, like, and I had other albums that I kind of wanted to put on the list, but I was like, I can't have a definitive Kiss album list, in my opinion, without, you know, I I want to say it's the most popular Kiss album. And it probably is, you know, as far as an, a, a full-length album. Um, and I left live albums off of this, so no Alives are going to show up. This is just studio albums. Um, and I'll break down the Alive you know, records as, as I go forward, but I wanted to just do my top 10 studio albums. So I couldn't, I couldn't have a top 10 without Destroyer because it is just, it's a masterpiece. I mean, it's, it, obviously it's not my favorite, but, and I think a lot of the reason why it's number 10 is because I hear it so much still to this day that it's kind of hard to to enjoy it as much as I should. Um but anyways, that being said, great uh, great rock record. Um you know, and it it's it's kiss polished. Like you just came out cuz you know the first three records didn't sell very well. Everybody knows the story. Kiss fans know, know the story. They're you know, they're staying afloat basically on Bill of Coins American Express card. They do a live. It's a huge, huge hit. Uh, Casablanca's number, you know, first top 10 album. All that, you know, classic stories that you hear on every Kiss documentary that's ever been made. Um, 
but this one's so polished, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with Bob Ezrin's background, because, you know, he also worked with Pink Floyd and Alice Cooper, so it's, 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 it's almost like a movie, like, the album is a movie, you're flowing through it, you go through at the beginning to Truck City, you got, you got the guy listening to the, the TV or the radio or whatever, and then he gets in the car, and he's listening to Rock and Roll Night on the radio, and then it starts, and then the car crash at the end, which is great, but then the, like, the best part of the album for me is going right from the car crash into King of the Nighttime World, I always love that, um, but my favorite song off the album is actually one they just started playing live um, a couple of years ago, which is Flaming Youth. I love that song. I love how it's, you know, that teenage angst, like, you know, you get from a lot of Kiss songs. It's just like, you know, buck the system, you know, you know, fight for your right to party, that kind of stuff. But that to me, that's what it, that's what Kiss is about. You know, you're... You're defying what everybody else wants you to do, to do, and doing your own thing, and that and that's cool, and that's why I think they've stood the test of time, and why they're still, you know, one of the top selling bands. Um, and then my honorable mention, I couldn't have a Kiss list without this song, and like I said in my opening, you know, my little sister loved this song. I know it by you know, which I mean, I know basically all the Kiss songs by heart without even having a a key played for me or a chord played for me, but it's Beth. Like, power ballads before power ballads, uh, basically, uh, like, the 70s, I feel like there's two, like, definitive, like, love songs, and that's Beth and Love Hurts from Nazareth. Those are, those are my two favorite ballads from the 70s and I mean a hard luck woman's great because that I mean that's basically what got me into kiss but hard luck woman is less of a ballad I think and more it's got that Rod Stewart vibe which everybody compares it to Maggie May and that and that's what you know Paul Stanley had in mind writing it was he was going to give it to Rod Stewart and he didn't but that's hard luck woman it's not on this one but Beth, it's just such a great song, and you know it. It originated in the the, the band Chelsea, Peter Chris's band, before Lips, before Kiss. Um, but it's it's just such a well written song. Uh, Peter's vocal on this is incredible. Like his his voice just comes off, and you have to listen. You almost have to listen to the original vinyl with the headphones on. Like you always hear about like other you know, like musicians always talk about how they grew up in their rooms and had their record player with their, you know, their headphones and they'd look at the album cover and all that stuff. You hear every band has always said stuff like that, but it's just such a great song. And, you know, Bob Ezrin's arrangement is, 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 it's classic. Number nine, Asylum from 1985. This might surprise a lot of people because it's so pop. If if you want to, I mean, it's kind of like, I think Asylum gets overlooked. And I know a lot of fans always ask for like pro shot, like Asylum tour footage, which I don't know if we'll ever get that. I hope we do at some point. Um, but if any exists, and I'm sure they do. Because, you know, Kiss, I think, still probably at this point still recorded all their shows. But 
I think I just I think this album is overlooked. I think it's better than Crazy Nights. Um and Animalize and Look It Up both almost made this list. So just going forward, you know, those two aren't gonna be on it. But it was close, but I like I like the poppy vibe. Like the 80s was such a time for Paul to shine. And not that he wasn't already a star, but I think this just solidified him as a star. Um, so my favorite song from Asylum is actually Who Wants to Be Lonely? And I don't know why. Like, I just, I like the flow of the song. I remember seeing the video on Exposed, and I, I don't know. It's just such a, it's such a Paul song. But and I love it. It's just it, I think it's great. Um, honorable mention: Tears Are Falling. Obviously, this was the hit off the album, and you know they still play it live every once in a while. And it, it, say what you want about '80s Kiss, but Tears Are Falling is a solid song. Number eight, "Dress to Kill" from 1975. You know, for an album that doesn't even clock in at 30 minutes, this it's a great it's a great album. It's fun. You can listen to it in a rush. Like literally, if <laughs> I could listen to it on my way to work and be done with 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 an album, and and that to me is it's kind of cool in a way. Like because it seems like, and maybe not in nineteen seventy five, but now it's almost like an album has to have so much on it that you know you couldn't do that. And my favorite song from Dress to Kill is She. That's just, it's just that kiss sound. That definitive 70s kiss sound to it. It's great. I mean, when they play it live still, that's one that I would never, like, on a DVD or something, skip. If, you know, if I'm, if I've got 15 minutes and I'm watching a kiss DVD, if she comes on, that is not one I'm going to skip to get to something else. Honorable mention is what I think is one of, maybe one of the best songs that they've, that, that they've ever wrote. Um, and it's a Paul song, Come On and Love Me. I think that is a classic 70s rock song. Like, and I, and I forget where Paul said it, but he said it somewhere that, he couldn't write this song today. Um, and I don't think anybody can. I think today's music is garbage. And I think uh, a lot of the problem is not necessarily the stars, like the the musicians or the, the pop stars or whatever. I don't think that's the problem. I think everything is so overproduced. Not that that's always a bad thing. Or not that auto-tune is always a bad thing. Because let's face it, if somebody's going to be a star... And they can't sing all that well. Well, naturally, they shouldn't be in the business, but they are anyway. But, like, just the songs today, like, you can't beat uh, Can't Buy Me Love. You can't beat Suspicious Minds. You can't, like, classic songs, everything that's been said has already been said like why and then like they do covers and stuff now it's like in the movies now everything's a rehash a remake you know um i just i think come on come on and love me is a great song 
Coming in at number seven. This album, I always feel like, kind of gets a bad rap. And I think a lot of KISS fans think that way. But it's 1979's Dynasty. Now, I know Peter Criss doesn't play on it. Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. But it doesn't make it a bad record or a bad KISS record. Um, You know, it gets the, oh, it's a disco album. No, it's not a disco album. It has hints of disco in it. I Was Made For Loving You is a disco song. Okay? Yes, I agree. That is a disco song. Sure know something. Got kind of a disco-y vibe to it. But there's some good, good songs on here. My favorite being Magic Touch. I think that's a, another one of those classic Paul Stanley songs. And I would have felt like I was doing wrong by not putting that here. Honorable Mention, Charisma. Great Gene Simmons song. I love it. I wish he, you know, I wish they would have played it live. Um, you get the, the uh, I believe they did like a backtrack to it in Mexico or something when this came out. And then also, I think Gene did it, was it on, I don't remember if it was, was it with his solo band, I think? I don't remember. But, um, yeah, I love that, I love Charisma, I love that song. Number six is the debut album, Kiss. Favorite song off that album, personal opinion, at least top five favorite Kiss songs ever, Black Diamond. I think it's a great, great song. It builds, and then, you know, you get that that cool ending on the original record that, you know, fit so well into it live, on a live later on, but it's just that classic Kiss vibe, um, you know, with Paul singing the opening, and then you get the, the hit it, and the big drums, and everything, and then you can, like, even... Like, when this album came out, and, you know, I was born in 87, so I wasn't there when it when it came out. But I could just imagine, like, being, like, hearing it, like, seeing the cover and being the reason why you buy it. And you hear stories about that, like, people buying the album because of the cover. So you see that, you put this on, you, it's almost like you can see it live, if that makes sense. And also, honorable mention, of course... Written by the great Ace Fraley, Cold Gin, sung by Gene here. And then later on, they do like the switch vocals thing. And, you know, of course, Ace always played it live with, you know, Fraley's Comet and everything. But, I mean, talk about a great rock song, a classic rock song. Few are better than Cold Gin. Number five, Creatures of the Night. This is another album that, you know, was panned by everybody when it came out, and now everybody has, you know, this love affair for this album. And and it, by all means, you know, I think I think this is it should have done better than it did. And I think with, you know, Peter not being in the band anymore, Ace being on the cover, doing the press for it, and, you know, everybody assumes he played on it. Unless, you know, they're real KISS fans. Like, I think that's a part of it. I think with Vinny being in the band, even though I think even on, like, the posters and stuff, they just showed the cover of the album, which I think was kind of crappy. Like, a lot of people didn't know Ace wasn't in the band until they, like, they came out and it was somebody else. But, anyways, so my favorite song from Creatures of the Night, and it's still being played to this day, 
is War Machine. I think it's just a heavy-hitting, great song. Uh, honorable mention here is Killer. Another just, like, Creatures is such a heavy record. Eric Carr's drums, the big, just the big drum sound is just out of this world. Like, that possibly could be the very reason why it's so high on my list. Number four, another Bob Ezrin produced album, and no, it is not music from The Elder. Although, I do like The Elder. Like, there's either there's Kiss fans that either love it or hate it. And I'm one of the weird ones that don't love it or hate it. I just like it. Like, I, I, I'm glad it's a part of the history of the band. I'm glad it the record got made. Um, it's not, not, obviously not one of my top 10 favorites, but if it's, if it's around and I'm in the mood, I'll listen to it. And I, I like the era, like the look of that era. So coming off the elder into creatures, you know, that was cool. Um, but anyways, number four, Bob Ezrin produced record revenge from 1991. I mean, you're coming off the heels of your drummer passing away, Eric Carr passed away, and and Eric Singer steps in because he had done the the Paul solo tour, the club tour, and I mean this album just rocks like it, it's it's Kiss at their heaviest minus Carnival of Sins, you know with with creatures being close as well. But this is Kiss's heaviest record. And speaking of heavy, favorite song, Unholy. Like, I think that it's probably... I think Unholy is probably the most underrated Kiss song. And Kiss fans, you know, will probably say, oh, well, we, you know, that's not true. I'm talking about, like, music fans in general. I think if, like... Heavy metal fans listen to Unholy. I think they would have a better appreciation for Kiss. Like, heavy metal fans that aren't Kiss fans also is what I'm trying to say. I think they would have a more of an appreciation for Kiss as musicians and as... more Maybe more of an appreciation for Kiss fans. Uh, Honorable mention, every time I look at you, whatever. Shoot the messenger. (laughs) Like, I, I love... This era of Paul Stanley ballads forever before you can crap on that all you want for being co-written by Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton's got a great voice and Kiss Connections, obviously, because he co-wrote forever and also Blackjack with Bruce Kulick. Um, but every time I look at you, it's like that you just you could see that being on a movie soundtrack. You know what I mean? It was like nothing can keep me from you. Which I think that's kind of what they were going with that when they did that for Detroit City, which didn't make sense in that movie. But I I like that song. Um, but every time I look at you, should have probably been a rom com, yeah, you know, movie title song or at least an end credits song. Uh, totally could see that. You know, people, I'm sure Kiss fans have that played at their wedding. I mean, surprisingly, I didn't, but. <laughs> It was definitely in the running. I'll I'll give it that. Number three, rock and roll over. Like, the music is what it is, whatever, but the cover alone gets it on any list. Like, that's just the most, probably the most recognizable cover beside Alive and 
Destroyer, and you know, just those those seventies Kiss covers were so memorable. Like they're embedded into your skull as a Kiss fan. But Rock and Roll Over is number three favorite song. Mr. Speed. This is not my favorite Paul song because my favorite song is actually number one. So giving that away, obviously. But um, probably my second favorite Paul Stanley song, I would say. Definitely top five. Um, but Mr. Speed is a great song. And I love that little clip. And you can find it on YouTube when they were doing like... When they did the farewell tour, and I think it was Australia, might have been Japan, but it was when Eric took over for Peter, the that last leg of the farewell tour, and they're doing that jam, and Ace keeps playing stuff, and Paul starts Mr. Speed. Like, even just that little clip of it was so great. Honorable mention, love him, leave him. I love that uh, promo video they did for Don Kirshner's rock concert, and that alone, like, made me love this song, but I just think it's that a classic Gene, like, growl song. Number two, Hotter Than Hell, the band's second album. A lot of people hate this album because of the sound, the way it was produced. I like the muddy sound. I think it sounds cool. I think, uh, you know, it gets a bad rap. My favorite song from the album is Going Blind. Gene's singing, a, like, a, a quote-unquote ballad. I And I wouldn't put that I wouldn't put Going Blind in that ballad category, like I said earlier, with, like, Beth and, like, Love Hurts from Nazareth. But I think Going Blind is just a good... It's not a soft song because it is rock, and his growl just makes it heavier than, you know, for the time. For the time. I'll say it that way. Honorable mention, All the Way. Love this song. Uh, They played it live a couple of times in the mid-2000s. And any any video or any audio clip of that, uh, I love. I think they played it in Australia, like the pre-Rock the, Rock the Nation tour in 04. But love it. Any, any way I can hear that song, I love it. Um, and at number one, my favorite Kiss album, my favorite Kiss song of all time, Love Gun. Like I said, favorite song. I think this is Paul Stanley at his best. The vocals... The guitar, the solo, I I remember reading somewhere that Ace's solo on this was awful. Like, are you on crack? There's no way this song is bad at any point. The drums, Peter's hitting the skins just right, the bass, the bass line, the guitar work, the solo, everything about it, Paul's, Paul's vocals, the backing vocals, it's all so good. And an honorable mention for Love Gun is the great, great Gene song, Christine 16 demoed it with Eddie and Alex Van Halen but just this song in general just I mean and it's funny because I've talked about this with other Kiss fans and just other people in general like you couldn't write this song today and it'd be okay like they it would not get played by any means the the message in it is so wrong but at the time like it it was it was still okay at the time but I love the song. I, I think it's catchy as hell. I love the piano in it, which a lot of Kiss fans never really got into that type of thing, but I'm okay with it. I think it's a great song. I think Gene's vocals on it are great. And just musically, it just it's tight. 
if if that makes if that makes sense to everybody. But anyways, so that's the first episode of Cast It Out Loud, and I will get more into my Kiss fandom in future episodes, and just kind of, it's 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 difficult to talk about the band because it's so, like, I've heard so many stories about the band, and I've heard so many fan stories about the band, and I've heard so many, like, facts and opinions and everything, so... That's the whole point of this is like I just want my opinion to be out there like not that I think anybody really cares for my opinion but I just thought it was a good time to do it being a podcaster on other podcasts but just to do something that I'm I'm I'd I still love like my fan my fandom for Kiss is probably something that's not going to die just like my fandom for wrestling and I think, you know, you always hear the the cliche, you know, the Star Wars fans, and I love Star Wars, but Star Wars fans are like the most, you know, chaotic, <laughs> I, they get irate, it's the same with Kiss, it's the same with pro wrestling, it's, they all go hand in hand, at, at, at and sports fans, I'm I'm a big sports fan as well, and, you know, you support your teams and just like teams and sports kisses, you know, your band, your team. So hope everybody enjoyed my thoughts and my opinion, my opinionated list of my favorite top 10 Kiss albums. And, you know, feel free to sound off and, you know, leave a review, all that good stuff. I'll get a Twitter up at some point. You know, in the coming days, maybe this weekend, but just kind of want to send this out as a feeler. See if people are interested in my opinion. If people are interested in in another Kiss podcast, because there are really good Kiss podcasts out there. But I just want I I want to do a Kiss podcast. Like I, I just want to do it. So, like I said, hopefully you enjoyed the show. I'm Tommy Walter. You can follow me on Twitter, my personal Twitter for now. And talk kiss. Let's talk kiss. So follow me on Twitter at Mr. Tommy Walter on Twitter. And talk to you next time.